attitude in response to the trials will determine if we mature in our faith. Our attitude in response to the trials will, re- will determine if we mature in our faith. Look back at verse 2. It says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. So here's the, here's the challenge. When we see that word joy, most of us immediately think of emotions. We think of the emotion, right? We think of, of when you think of joy, you think ah, exuberance, you think excitement, you think joyful, and, 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 and uh, in terms of the emotion. But James is not talking about emotions. James is not saying that we should be ecstatic and, and overjoyed with thrill that we're facing trials. That seems, seems kind of odd, doesn't it? What is he saying? He's saying our attitude should be joyful. He's not asking us to be super fit, thrilled with our difficulties. He's asking us to have an attitude that will demonstrate maturity as the result of this challenge in our life. So James explains that an attitude of joy will come with a proper perspective. The attitude of joy will come with a proper perspective. Look back at verse 9. Here's the perspective. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat then it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. What's the idea here? The idea is let the, the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. Let the person that doesn't have a ton glorify in the fact that God has redeemed them and given them what eternal life. But let the rich man recognize that just in the same way he can't take his stuff with him. And that he, uh, in his humiliation, will glory in that. So it's a matter of perspective. Both the lowly and the rich can have a perspective, a different attitude toward the circumstances. Key point number three then is this. Trials are not easily overcome and require great perseverance. Trials are not easily overcome, and they actually require great perseverance. I'm going to ask Pastor Charlie, would you come up here just for a minute? I'm going to ask him to help me, help me out with this, uh, this illustration. Some of you are wondering where I'm going after, after the service, right? Charlie, could you stand over here with your left hand? I want you to reach out. I want you to hold that straight out just like that, okay? I don't want you to lift it. I don't want you to lower it. Just hold it straight, as straight as you can, just like that. Okay? Can you do that? Great. Now, here's the thing. Trials are not easily overcome and require great perseverance. If he starts to lower that, would y'all let me know? If he starts, if he raises that up too high, would, I'm telling you, you got to hold it straight out. 
persevere, right? Persevere through it. It's going to burn. All right? So here's the deal. James chapter 1, my brethren, count it all joy when you face uh, trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let that patience have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. You can't skip the test. You can't skip the test. You're doing all right? You're leaning a little bit. This No, 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 no. No, no, no you can't switch hands. Can't switch hands. You see? Hey, all right, you gave yourself a little bit of break there, didn't you? All right. Persevere. You can do this. All right. You can't skip the test. No matter how, how much you want to avoid the trials, you just can't skip over them. You can't. I mean, that's, that's the temptation, right? You know, you're like, I don't want to take the test. I don't want to be in the trial. I don't want to. All right, stay straight. Keep, keep the shoulders straight. Up, 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 up. There we go. All right. We got, sometimes it's difficult. It's difficult. It's not that hard, is it? Is it, is it getting heavy? It's an empty suitcase. It's empty. Why are you struggling for an empty suitcase? All right. So here's the deal. We cannot skip the test. The only way to pass the test is it not crazy that that suitcase is empty and that he's having a hard time? You got you to rest that arm. You, you're leaning now. You're, lean, you're trying to lean. Listen to this. Sometimes the trials that we face, all right, you, 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 you made the point. It's hard to do, right? <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you, Charlie. Sometimes the trials that we face come in the form of baggage that others have put on us. It can be difficult. It can be difficult to endure, to persevere. And, and sometimes it can be even really hard when other people are putting that baggage on you. Consider it pure joy, my brethren. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because we know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We have to persevere to get to the results that we want. We have to persevere to get to the result, the desired outcome that we want. So finally, key point number four then is this, that when we have the right attitude and we persevere through those trials, it produces godly character. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Patience must have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The idea there of being perfect and complete and lacking nothing is not that we ourselves have become perfect, but rather we allow a perfect and holy God to show himself through us. It is about demonstrating the character of God. James has a lot more to say to his Jewish Christian brethren. Go back to verse 19. 
So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You understand this. The gospel has four themes. Creation. You were created in the image of God. Now, what does that mean? Well, theologians have a lot of different ideas, but basically what we can agree upon that the scriptures say is that you were created in the image of God, in the image of Christ, and that at least in part, it means that we were created to reflect God's righteousness and his holiness. The problem is we're terrible at it, right? We don't reflect his righteousness. We don't reflect his holiness. Why? Because of the second theme of the gospel, and that is the fall. Just as Adam and Eve sinned and have fallen and into this world and it, and it impacted all of us, we are living in a world that has, has now been corrupted by sin. And that sin continues to deteriorate us and the sin prevents us from reflecting the righteousness and holiness of God. But the good news in the gospel is that third theme that Christ came to redeem us. We were created in his image to reflect his righteousness, his holiness. We messed it up because of the fall. Christ came to redeem us, to bring us back into a relationship. He ended up giving his life a sacrificial death so that we, and pay the penalty for our sin so that we don't have to. And we can have that applied to our life. And we can ask the Lord to come into our life and to forgive us of our sin, and he redeems us. And then the Holy Spirit begins to work within us, and the, third, the fourth theme of the gospel is then restoration. The Holy Spirit then begins to work within us to conform us to the image of Christ so that we become more Christ-like, that we become more like him, which was what we were created to do to begin with. The problem is we, we've allowed sin to step in, all of us. So the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive the meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word... And not a doer. He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. This is, this, is a, this is a fascinating illustration. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man that he was forgets what he looks like but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it what is James describing here he's describing God's word the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this one will be blessed in what he does like I said, James had a lot more to say to his Jewish Christian brethren in chapter 1. And he cautions them. And, and here's what he is, is declaring to his, his Jewish 
brothers in Christ, I get it. I understand what you're trying to do, and, you, and you're, you're wanting to go back to the, the things that are familiar to you. Our lives need to look different as followers of Christ. But let's be careful not to become legalistic. Our legalism would then what? It would produce an anger of the flesh. And that is not the righteousness of God. We can't allow our faith to become an academic exercise in hearing only. It would be like looking into the mirror, realizing what a sinful person we are. And knowing that we are saved by grace. And then turning around and looking down upon others. Forgetting what we ourselves look like. Forget, looking to the, to the mirror, seeing ourselves going, God saved me in spite of who I am. In spite of the fact that I've done all of these things that I should have never done. And in spite of the things that I, that I have done, this and this and this, God saved me. But he says, if you're not careful, here's what you're going to do. You're going to look into the mirror, realizing what a sinful person we are, but then turn around and look down upon others. In this case, James is referring to the Gentiles. Look down upon them for not living a certain way and forgetting what we just saw in the mirror. So understand this. The shocking truth is we we call sin, sin. But we have to look in the mirror and recognize God has saved me. And he has redeemed me. And you know what? No matter what sin you're dealing with, God can save you. He can. No matter what it is, he can save you. One last thought and then we'll pray together. Don't face trials alone. Your church should be a support system to help you through the trials that you face.